Hey, Ben. Yeah. Hey, you're on with Kai. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you? Not too bad. This is the first uh, non-video one I've done in a while. Uh, yeah, we've been like running around Toronto like crazy, so it was like this was the, <laughs> the fastest way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so what was like, uh, what was the turnaround like between this one and X? There really wasn't much turnaround. Um, we, what did we do? We went to, uh, they, they said we were going to make X and, uh, we were going to make it in New Zealand because it was peak COVID and it was safe to make the movie in New Zealand. And I felt like, well, we're going to New Zealand and we have all these visas and we have this crew and we have the cast and we're building all of these locations. It'd be a shame to just finish the movie, tear it all down, and go home. Maybe we can make two movies. But a sequel to X didn't really make sense because it, like, I didn't want to make a movie where like, more people showed up at the same farm and, and terror ensued. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that made sense to use all the same stuff was to like go backwards. And I had cast Mia, and we have been talking about the backstory of Pearl because we don't get a lot of that in X. And so that made sense of like, well, what if we did a prequel and we did the story about when she was young and we were able to cannibalize all of the stuff that we're using down here, that would be a very, it'd be a cheaper movie. And it could be a really interesting movie if we could pull it off. And A24 was intrigued by it. And I had two weeks in mandatory quarantine before I could get into the country. Mm-hmm. And so in those two weeks, it was like, well, let's see if we can crank out a script and convince the, the world that this should happen. So uh, me and I would FaceTime and just crank out a script in two weeks. And then uh, that was that didn't really get the green light, but that was enough to have A24 be like, oh, this is a real movie. And then worked on it a little bit while prepping X. And then finally they, they, they loved it and greenlit it. And so once we shot X, we knew we were making Pearl. So there was a lot of things in X that referenced Pearl because we really just treated it like one big movie. Mm-hmm. And then when we finished shooting X, it was about three weeks in between the two movies before we started shooting Pearl, which was like a frantic month of putting up wallpaper and painting things and, uh, and, and trying to get all kinds of different like period props in there. But it was wild. I mean, it was nothing like that would ever happen again. So it was a really unique experience and it was kind of pedal to the metal the whole time, but it was a, a surreal experience to spend a month or so on a farm making one movie and then go away and come back three weeks later and have it be a totally different place. So, so you spent that. So you did end up shooting both of them in New Zealand, then. Yes, we shot them back to back in New Zealand. Yeah, and then, how, so how long were you there total? I was there for thirteen months. I went there thinking I was going to be there for like three, four months if I wanted to do some tourism, and then it was thirteen months because I ended up doing all the post production there. Yeah. Um, did you like it? Do you uh, plan on spending more time uh, there, or were you like ready to come back? Uh, I would love to go back. I had a great time. I mean, it was, it, it, it helped that it was during, you know, COVID and there was not COVID there. So I had a very rare experience and a fortunate experience to, for most of, well, for a large portion of the pandemic to just kind of be in a country that didn't have a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so that made making certainly a movie like X doable because that was like not a socially distanced movie. And, um, and I, I mean, New Zealand's amazing and a really like the best kept secret is like the city of Wellington. It's really amazing. So I was very happy to be there and had a great experience and would be happy to go back. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're sort of going for like this, I don't know, like a Technicolor golden age type of feel for this, uh, one, like what were, what were movies that inspired that? Or was there anything that you watched to, uh, you know, give you a sense of that type of movie? Um, 
I mean, I suppose I don't know if he watched that much. Well, like certainly for like the DT Elliot Rocket and Tom, the production designer, we like we had printed out some photos of of movies of that era from Douglas Sirk movies to Wizard of Oz to the Red Shoes to things like that. Just to kind of like, I mean, it was very weird to go from X, which was this kind of like desaturated, gritty color palette into this like ridiculously saturated thing. So we certainly a lot of movies like that just from a color palette standpoint, just to kind of get a sense of like how far can we push this. Um, Mary Poppins and, and things like that. Um, but I don't know that we watched much. I feel like I probably watched Wizard of Oz and Mia probably watched that in between the two really as it's like a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. But, and, and the sort of fantasy aspect of that just to kind of be like, okay, erase Texas Chainsaw and two and Blacktop from your mind and like think about, you know, something totally different like this. Um, but realistically, most of the reference stuff was more just about like specificity of like colors because you know, it's easy to say, like, let's make it really colorful and like a Disney technicolor kind of movie. And that's different than when you actually start doing it. And you're like, well, that's not red enough. or that's too red and things like that. And so we spent a lot of time just like agonizing over like these incredibly idiosyncratic choices between like, you know, this red and that red that, you know, probably looked exactly the same. To be honest. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, the X is sort of like a horror movie about porn and then this is kind of a prequel without porn. Like, did you ever worry the audience was going to be like, Hey man, like where's the porn? Yeah, because I, you know, to me, like porn is obviously a, a, a part of X for sure. But I always thought of X as like more of an entrepreneurial thing about these like young people who are like, Oh, our way into the film business is via porn because we don't need all of the things that Hollywood has to offer. Like, we can become our own stars and we can pay for our own movie and we can use our own talent and we can distribute it ourselves. And it always felt like that was like their outsider's way into the film business. And horror and porn have always had a sort of symbiotic relationship of being like that within the, in the movie business. Like you could, especially in the seventies, you know, independently forge your own path. And Pearl, you know, and so that was a movie about like, you know, people who were affected by filmmaking in some way. Um, and in Pearl, she's just being affected by filmmaking in a more like wondrous, ambitious, like dream kind of way. And the glamour, the glitz and glamour of a life that you get from being a dancer or being in the movies. Um, that was just sort of how that was affecting it, which is why this sort of different aesthetic uh, came into play and just trying to show like a different kind of cinema in a different way into it. But I mean, she does get to see a little bit of porn, I suppose. And she does have some sexual repression. Um, but it was more about just sort of the, uh, the putting the putting the movie business and on, on a pedestal connected to your to your own dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, in X, it seems like their 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 jumping off point is like that they they think they found like a really good location to uh, make their movie at. And uh, does that it seems like that is part of your uh, process in the movies that you made. Do you see like a parallel there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's especially when you're making low budget movies. You know, whatever you can get out of what you have is is a major um, like tool in a way. So, for me, certainly with making like low budget horror movies, like for for many years, it was always like, well, is this a really cool groovy location that can add a lot of production? I mean, I think there's a line in X where they first get to the farm and RJ is like, it's going to add a lot of production value. Mm-hmm. And that's like the kind of dumb stuff I say when I'm going around looking for places. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to make the movie seem big. And it's really just, you know, like a field that we have. <laughs> yeah. I think when I talked to you about like, I think it was maybe in, in a valley of violence, like that was part of the, 
the jumping off point there is that you th- had like a really good location for it? Yeah, I knew about um, I knew about a location in New Mexico that was like a western town, and I was like, okay, I knew what was there. So if I write something that that you know made sense in the town that was already there, like we'd have to augment it, but we don't have to build it. Like it's already there. And and in many ways, that's how Pearl came together. Was we built this barn for action. We built the bunkhouse, and we we like we we changed so much of the infrastructure of of the um, location that we were shooting in. But I was like, well why would we just tear this down when we can just like paint it bright red and now it's a new movie. And so it was very much like I had a, I had a, an easy way in and a plan because I knew all the stuff we were building. And I was so familiar with it that I was like, I could, we could, we could come up with a new movie that took place in here that would be original and fresh enough and still use this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like when I was watching this, it felt like, you know, it always feels like you're uh, enjoying yourself when you're shooting uh, some of that gore stuff. Um, like, how much fun is that to do as a filmmaker? It's much more fun to watch than it is to do because to <laughs> do it is just really technical and you're just so nervous that it's not going to work. So you're either, like, fussing with a tube and blood and it's not working right and you're just frustrated and you're running out of time. Or it's like you get one chance with it because you only have one of these things. Like, you know, if we're going to throw a Model T into the water, we got to get it on that first try because doing it twice is going to be a real hassle. And so it's, um, it's very stressful and sort of tedious. But it is the stuff that, you know, when all put together, you don't have to see any of that. And it's sort of the, the, the fun to see. But it is, it is definitely. I mean, the, the scene where she attacks Mitzi with the axe, you know, that's one take. It's very hard, and they're running and they're full speed and high heels, and it was like a camera on a crane on a Porsche that had to go up, and it was just like, we have to do this and then a whole bunch of other shit today, but this has got to be great, and that was hard to query, that was hard to do, and it turned out how I'd hoped, but it was definitely nerve-wracking to do it. Right. I mean, do you have any, do you have any like super specific pet peeves when you're watching other people's movies about like how certain gore should look where... You're like, oh, come on, that blood's too light, or that's, you know, that's not what guts should look like. Do you have anything like that? <laughs> um, I have it with, like, CGI. I mm-hmm. think that, like, there's, um, and I'm not, like, a, you, you should never use CGI for things, but um, when you use CGI for, like, gore stuff, like, if you need to, like, what it's great for is, like, oh, man, the best take we have, you can kind of see the tube. Well, you can paint the tube out and make it go away, and that's, like, a great tool to be able to do it with. But now, um, it's, it's so much easier to put everything from, like, squid hits from people getting shot to stabbed or whatever, this sort of CGI blood in. And no matter what you do, it just doesn't look right. And there's, like, also a lack of a... Because it's not really there, there's something that's not as visceral about it. And if part of what you're trying to do is, is sell something that's kind of gross or at least give you a, a, a reaction... I tend to just see like CGI stuff and just go like, there's some CGI rather than be like, he got shot. Mm-hmm. And that, that really kicks me out of it. And it's become so prevalent for obvious reasons. Like it's, it's just much faster, but it, um, it doesn't really feel the same. Yeah. I mean, well, when you're de- designing all your effects and stuff like that, like what's, uh, what's the pettiest reason you've ever had to make a prop guy or an FX guy redo a thing? Like, do you, do you end up, do you ever end up putting something in the movie just because you feel too bad about having to having them remake it again? 
it's probably happened. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. I mean, there's probably certain times where you're like, I don't love this, but I don't want to like, shit, you know, break someone's heart over it and let's, let's find a way to do it. But yeah, I, I'm like pretty obsessive and prep. So I try to get ahead of all that. And most of those tech scenarios happen prior to making the movie where you're in the office and you're like, oof, I'm going to have to tell this person that like, we've got to redo this and that's going to be brutal. But that's also just part of it. You know, you hope to do it as, as infrequent as possible, but sometimes you do. I mean, even on X, this is my own fault. There's a scene where, uh, like, Maxine gets shot and then Prog is flying out the door and we had to shoot that three different ways because it's the same person in the, in, in the scene playing both characters. And we did one and we had to, like, blow out the candy glass in the mirror and the stunt double had to fall down. And we did it and we did, like, a flash bulb at the same time and it was fine and we moved on. And then it just, like, occurred to me, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, that flash, I'm now married to that and I got to do it again without that because that's, it didn't go off at the right time, and it's going to be funky when we comped all of them together. And it was like, we'd all moved on. It was like, we got to go back to the hallway, and we got to break another mirror, and we got to start all over. And that was brutal. So it's like, I'm not um, immune to that either. It's just, it happens. Do you have to, like, get yourself into a mindset where you can forgive yourself for being, like, super anal retentive or uh, super, like, critical and uh, meticulous about that stuff in order to get it done right? Uh, it's just kind of comes with the territory. I mean, making a movie is just really traumatic. <laughs> it's just like a series of like mistakes and failures that you're trying desperately to like hold off. And, um, and they're just, they never, they keep encroaching upon you. So for me personally, like I have to be very meticulous and I have to be very planned and have to be like expecting everything to go wrong so that when it does, rather than be like devastated by it, I have the backup plan ready to go. So I'm very much like a, I go in as a very like as a pessimist, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully I'm pleasantly surprised throughout the day. But that's the way that I approach it because it's just, it's so unlikely that any of the stuff would ever work well. You know, like for instance, throwing a Model T into the water or an alligator that was practical that was on a winch that had like a moving tail and all this stuff. It's like all these parts in theory should work, but you know when the time comes to do it, if it doesn't work, it's a real hassle to fix, and you're just you know, desperately trying to get it. But, you know, if you hire the right people and you, and you get ahead of the the problems before they arise and you try to be very specific about what you need to photograph, you can avoid most of it. But, yeah, it's always, I mean, there's there's no shortage of times in a film set where you're, like, off by yourself in the corner just, like, sitting on the ground thinking, like, oh, God, I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read that there's two types of filmmakers where some, you know, you really enjoy the pre-production process and then the actual production process is just like a nightmare of logistics. And then other, other types where like the production part is their favorite part where they get to feel like they're doing and playing around. Um, are are you, do you have, uh, one that you lean more towards? I think that, you know, it's usually whatever one I'm not doing at the time is the one I like. So if I'm like writing, I'm like, oh, if only we were just on set. And if I'm on set, I'm like, if only I could be back writing, you know, or editing, same thing. But I think that at the end of the day, being on set is the most painful because at least it's social. Whereas mm-hmm. for me, because I write and edit also, like those are very like, just like lonely, <laughs> like journeys, especially editing because you've just had this really interesting experience with a large group of people that you become very close with. And then they all go off to their lives and you go into a room and continue doing the same thing, but you're doing it like by yourself now. And you're now faced with all of the like shortcomings and things and trying to deal with that. And so 
that's just kind of psychologically, I, I think, a bit um, draining in general. This is kind of why I say that making the movies traumatic is it just kind of, it does kind of kick your ass for the year that you work on it. But, mm. um, but you know, it, it really comes with the territory. And I think just being on set, despite, I mean, the stakes are really high when you're on set because you never have enough time. And it's, you're trying to do something hopefully amazing at every second of the day. And that's not realistic that you're always going to achieve that. And so you're always trying to, you know, be the best you can with the little that you have. And that's, um, that's just stressful because in the back of your mind, you know, that like the, the movie relies on it being great. And, and, and you're going to have to really struggle to make sure that it stays at that quality. Do you have any like strategies for tricking yourself into feeling like you're watching something for the first time when you're editing and not for like, you know, the 15,000th time or whatever? Um, you know, I don't, but I, I heard when I was in New Zealand, um, James Cameron was there doing Avatar and I heard from someone, I think this may not be true, but I heard from someone that once he feels pretty good about a cut of the movie, he like flips it in avid so that like everything is the, 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 the screen is like a mirror image of, image of itself. So now everything that was on the left is now on the right mm-hmm. and watches it that way because your eye is so used to like, uh, there are things are in the frame that when you flip it, you, you, you have to see the movie like it's the, the first time because your eyes don't have a, a, um, a habitual nature of where to be. And, um, I don't know if he actually does that or if it's just a story that I heard. So anyway, I tried it and, um, it does, it does kind of do that. It's weird also because you're sort of jarred by it, but that, that was something that was like, I learned for the first time at, you know, at seven, eight movies in or whatever. But that was, um, that was pretty interesting. Other than that, if you watch it with people, you can feel it. Like they don't have to say anything. You can feel it when it's not working, and you can feel it when it's working. And that's kind of the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you? Was there anything about uh, working in New Zealand, making a movie there, that was like different than the experience of making one here? Or you know, were the crews and people that you were working with any different? Um, not really. I mean, the crew was fantastic. We were very fortunate. Everyone got was great. Everybody was really inspired by the movies, which was very cool. Um, I mean, I loved it. It was some of my favorite people I've ever worked with down there. It's a different, like, union structure. They don't have that, so that's, like, it's just a little bit different as far as, like, what everyone's roles are. But that's not that important, you know, like, as much as the, you know, quality of the personnel is. But, um, yeah, we had a blast, and we were very fortunate. And, and it's what made making two movies in a row even possible, is that we just had such an amazing like talented group of people who, uh, you know, there was no, there were no movies coming into their country except for us. And so, you know, they, they may have not done movies like this if it wasn't for the timing and we were sort of grateful for that. I mean, it's gotta be in terms of like the, the, the movies produced in that country per capita, it's gotta be like up there just, I mean, there's been so many huge movies that have been shot there now for a country that's not that big. Yeah, and I mean, it must be something about that country that makes you do um, multiple movies at the same time. It's just like <laughs> in the water or something. Yeah. It was like, when we were two, they were like, oh, yeah, we, we've done that. <laughs> like The whole crew was like, we're familiar with doing multiple movies at the same time. It's fine. I'm guessing that's uh, not wanting to take uh, more 18-hour flights or whatever. It could be. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, yeah, but I would encourage anyone to visit New Zealand. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty awesome place. It's like une- unexpectedly great. Very cool. 
Um, all right. Well, I, I appreciate you talking to me and, uh, you know, good luck with it. Good to, good to talk to you again. Yeah. Good to hear from you, man. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of May, Diaz's uh, UFC tenure. So it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. We bookended it. That's great. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Went out in the most Diaz way possible. That was, yeah. We'll have to talk. We'll have to do a separate interview about just that, that last, uh, that last fight. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Take care. Thanks, man. All right, man. Good to hear from you. Later. All right.